Section 5 of the Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 5. Chapter 39. The natural order of the production of plants. The following is the order in which the operations of nature take place throughout the year. The first is fecundation, which takes place when the west wind begins to prevail, generally about the sixth day before the Ides of February. By the agency of this wind, all the productions of the earth are impregnated, to such an extent indeed that the mares even in Spain are impregnated by it, as we have already stated. This is the generating principle of the universe, and it receives its name of Favonius, as some think from our word forwear, which means to warm and cherish. It blows from due west at the opening of the spring. The peasantry call this period of the year the time of heat, because nature is then longing to receive the seeds of her various productions, and is imparting life to everything that is planted. The vegetables conceive on various days each according to its respective nature, some immediately as with animals, others again more slowly, carry with them for a longer period the produce of their conception, a state which has from that circumstance obtained the name of germination. When the plant flowers it may be said to bring forth, and the flower makes its appearance by bursting its little capsule, which is acted to it as an uterus, the period of training and education is the growth of the fruit. This as well as that of germination is a laborious process. Chapter 40. Trees which never blossom, the juniper. The appearance of the blossom bespeaks the arrival of the spring and the birth anew of the year. This blossom is the very pride and delight of the trees. Then it is that they show themselves quite renewed and altogether different from what they really are. Then it is that they quite revel in the contest with each other which shall excel in the various hues and tints which they display. This merit has, however, been denied to many of them, for they do not all blossom, and there are certain sombre trees which do not participate in this joyous season of the year. The holm oak, the pitch tree, the larch, and the pine are never bedecked with blossoms, and with them there is no particular forerunner sent forth to announce the yearly birth of their respective fruits. The same is the case, too, with the cultivated and the wild fig, which immediately present their fruit in place of any blossoms. Upon the fig, too, it is remarkable that there are abortive fruits to be seen which never ripen. The juniper also is destitute of blossom. Some writers, however, distinguish two varieties of it, one of which blossoms but bears no fruit, while the other has no blossoms but presents the berries immediately which remain on the tree for so long a period as two years. This assertion, however, is utterly fallacious, and all the junipers always present the same sombre appearance. So, too, in life, the fortunes of many men are ever without their time of blossoming. Chapter 41. The fecundation of trees, germination, the appearance of the fruit. All trees germinate, however, even those which do not blossom. In this respect, there is a very considerable difference in relation to the various localities, for in the same species we find that the tree, when planted in a marshy spot, will germinate earlier than elsewhere. 
next to that the trees that grow on the plains, and last of all those that are found in the woods. The wild pear too is naturally later in budding than the other pears. At the first breath of the west wind the cornel buds, and close upon it the laurel, then a little before the equinox we find the lime and the maple germinating. Among the earlier trees too are the poplar, the elm, the willow, the alder, and the nut trees. The plain buds too at an early period. Others again germinate at the beginning of spring, the holly for instance, the terebinth, the palurus, the chestnut, and the glandiferous trees. On the other hand, the apple is late in budding, and the cork tree the very last of all. Some trees germinate twice, whether it is that this arises from some exuberant fertility of the soil, or from the inviting temperature of the atmosphere, this takes place more particularly in the several varieties of the cereal. Excessive germination, however, has a tendency to weaken and exhaust the tree. Besides the spring budding, some trees have naturally another budding, which depends upon the influence of their own respective constellations, a theory which we shall find an opportunity of more conveniently discussing in the next book but one. The winter budding takes place at the rising of the eagle, the summer at that of the dog-star, and a third budding again at that of Arituris. Some people think that these two buddings are common to all trees, but that they are to be remarked more particularly in the fig, the wine and the pomegranate, seeing that, when this is the case, the crop of figs in Thessaly and Macedonia more particularly, is remarkably abundant. But it is in Egypt more specially that illustrations of this vast abundance are to be met with. All the trees in general, when they have once begun to germinate, proceed continuously with it. The robur, however, the fir tree, and the larch germinate intermittently, seizing thrice, and as many times beginning to bud again. And hence it is that they shed the scales of their bark three several times. A thing that takes place with all trees during the period of germination, the outer coat of the tree bursting while it is budding. With these last trees, the first budding takes place at the beginning of spring and lasts about fifteen days, and they germinate a second time when the sun is passing through the sign of Gemini. Hence it is what we see the points of the first buds pushed upwards by those beneath, a joint marking the place where they unite. The third germination of these trees takes place at the summer solstice, and lasts no more than seven days. At this period we may very distinctly detect the articulations by which the buds are joined to one another as they grow. The vine is the only tree that buds twice, the first time when it first puts forth the grape, and the second time when the grape comes to maturity. In the trees which do not blossom there is only the budding and then the gradual ripening of the fruit. Some trees blossom while they are budding and pass rapidly through that period, but the fruit is slow in coming to maturity, as in the vine, for instance. Other trees again blossom and bud but late, while the fruit comes to maturity with great rapidity, the mulberry, for example, which is the very last to bud of all the cultivated trees, and then only when the cold weather is gone. For this reason it has been pronounced the wisest among the trees. But in this the germination, when it has once begun, bursts forth all over the tree at the very same moment, so much so indeed, that it is accomplished in a single night, and even with a noise that may be audibly heard. Chapter 42 
in what order the trees blossom. Of the trees which, as we have already stated, bud in winter at the rising of the eagle, the almond blossoms the first of all, in the month of January, namely, while by March the fruit is well developed. Next to it in blossoming is the plum of Armenia, and then the tuber, and the early peach, the first two being exotics, and the latter forced by the agency of cultivation. Among the forest trees, the first that blossoms in the course of nature is the elder, which has the most pith of any, and the male cornel, which has none at all. Among the cultivated trees, we next have the apple, and immediately after, so much so indeed, that it would almost appear that they blossom simultaneously, the pear, the cherry, and the plum. Next to these is the laurel, and then the cypress, and after that the pomegranate and the fig. The vine too and the olive are budding when these last trees are in flower, the period of their conception being rising of the vergili, that being their constellation. As for the vine, it blossoms at the summer solstice, and the olive begins to do so a little later. All blossoms remain on the trees seven days, and never fall sooner. Some indeed fall later, but none remain on more than twice seven days. The blossoms are always off before the eighth day of the Ides of July, the period of the prevalence of the Atesian winds. Chapter 43 At what period each tree bears fruit? The Cornell Upon some trees the fruit does not follow immediately upon the fall of the blossom. The cornel, about the summer solstice, puts forth a fruit that is white at first, and after that the colour of blood. The female of this tree, after autumn, bears a sour berry, which no animal will touch. Its wood, too, is spongy and quite useless, while on the other hand, that of the male tree is one of the very strongest and hardest woods known. So great a difference do we find in trees belonging to the same species. The terebinth, the maple, and the ash produce their seed at harvest time while the nut-trees, the apple and the pear, with the exception of the winter or the more early kinds, bear fruit in autumn. The glandiferous trees bear at a still later period, the setting of the vergiliae, with the exception of the esculus, which bears in the autumn only, while some kinds of the apple and the pear, and the cork-tree, bear fruit at the beginning of winter. The fir puts forth blossoms of a saffron colour about the summer solstice, and the seed is ripe just after the setting of the vergiliae. The pine and the pitch tree germinate about fifteen days before the fir, but their seed is not ripe till after the setting of the vergiliae. Chapter 44 Trees which bear the whole year, trees which have on them the fruit of three years. The citron tree, the juniper, and the holm oak are looked upon as having fruit on them the whole year through, and upon these trees we see the new fruit hanging along with that of the preceding year. The pine, however, is the most remarkable of them all, for it has upon it at the same moment the fruit that is hastening to maturity, the fruit that is to come to maturity in the ensuing year, and the fruit that is to ripen the next year but one. Indeed, there is no tree that is more eager to develop its resources, for in the same month in which a nut is plucked from it, another will ripen in the same place, the arrangement being such that there is no month in which the nuts of this tree are not ripening. Those nuts which split while still upon the tree are known by the name of asinii. They are productive of injury to the others if not removed. Chapter 45 Trees which bear no fruit, trees looked upon as ill-omened. The only ones among all the trees that bear nothing whatever, 
not so much as any seed even, are the tamarisk, which is used only for making brooms, the poplar, the alder, the Atinian elm, and the aliternus, which has the leaf between that of a holm oak and the olive. Those trees are regarded as sinister and are considered inauspicious, which are never propagated from seed and bear no fruit. Cremutius informs us that this tree, being the one upon which Phyllis hanged herself, is never green. Those trees which produce a gum open of themselves after germination. The gum never thickens until after the fruit has been removed. Chapter 46 Trees which lose their fruit or flowers most readily. Young trees are unproductive so long as they are growing. The fruits which fall most readily before they come to maturity are the date, the fig, the almond, the apple, the pear, and the pomegranate, which last tree is also very apt to lose its blossom through excessive dews and hoar-frosts. For this reason it is, too, that the growers bend the branches of the pomegranate, lest from being straight they may receive and retain the moisture that is so injurious to them. The pear and the almond, even if it should not rain, but a south wind happen to blow, or the weather become cloudy, are apt to lose their blossoms, and their first fruit as well, if after the blossom has fallen there is a continuance of such weather. But it is the willow that loses its seed the most speedily of all, long indeed before it is ripe. Hence it is that Homer has given it the epithet of fruit-losing. Succeeding ages, however, have given to this term an interpretation conformable to their own wicked practices, it being a well-known fact that the seed of the willow has the effect of producing barrenness in females. In this respect, however, nature has employed her usual foresight, bestowing but little care upon the seed of a tree which is produced so easily and propagated by slips. There is, however, it is said, one variety of willow, the seed of which arrives at maturity. It is found in the Isle of Crete at the descent from the Grotto of Jupiter. The seed is unsightly and ligneous, and in size about as large as a chickpea. Chapter 47 Trees which are unproductive in certain places Certain trees also become unproductive, owing to some fault in the locality, such, for instance, as a coppice wood in the island of Paros, which produces nothing at all. In the Isle of Rhodes, too, the peach trees never do anything more than blossom. This distinction may arise also from the sex, and when such is the case, it is the male tree that never produces. Some authors, however, making a transposition, assert that it is the male trees only that are prolific. Barrenness may also arise from a tree being too thickly covered with leaves. Chapter 48 The Mode in Which Trees Bear Some among the fruit trees bear on both the sides of the branches and the summit, the pear, for instance, the fig tree, and the myrtle. In other respects, the trees are pretty nearly of a similar nature to the cereals, for in them we find the year growing from the summit, while in the leguminous varieties, the pod grows from the sides. The palm, as we already stated, is the only one that has fruit hanging down in bunches enclosed in capsules. Chapter 49 Trees in which the fruit appears before the leaves The other trees, again, bear their fruit beneath the leaves for the purpose of protection, with the exception of the fig, the leaf of which is very large, and gives a great abundance of shade. Hence it is that we find the fruit placed above it, in addition to which the leaf makes its appearance after the fruit. There is said to be a remarkable peculiarity connected with one species of fig 
that is found in Cilicia, Cyprus, and Hellas. The fruit growth beneath the leaves, while at the same time the green abortive fruit, that never reaches maturity, is seen growing on top of them. There is also a tree that produces an early fig known to the Athenians by the name of Prodromos. In the Laconian varieties of this fruit, more particularly, we find trees that bear two crops in the year. Chapter 50 Trees that bear two crops in a year Trees that bear three crops In the island of Sea, there are wild figs that bear three times in one year. By the first crop, the one that succeeds is summoned forth, and by that the third. It is by the agency of this large crop that caprification is performed. In the wild fig, too, the fruit grows on the opposite side of the leaves. There are some pears and apples, too, that bear two crops in the year, while there are some early varieties also. The wild apple bears twice in the year, its second crop coming on after the rising of Arituris, in sunny localities more particularly. There are vines, too, that will even bear three times in the year, a circumstance that has procured for them the name of frantic vines. On these we see grapes just ripening, others beginning to swell, and others again in blossom, all at the same moment. M. Varro informs us that there was formerly at Smyrna, near the temple of the mother of the gods, a vine that bore two crops in the year, as also an apple tree of a similar nature, in the territory of Consentia. This, however, is constantly to be witnessed in the territory of Takapa in Africa, of which we shall have to speak more fully on another occasion, so remarkable is the fertility of the soil. The cypress also bears three times in the year, for its berries are gathered in the months of January, May, and September, being all three of different size. There are also certain peculiarities observed in the different modes in which the trees bear their fruit. The arbutus and the quercus being most fruitful in the upper part, the walnut and the marisca fig in the lower. All trees, the older they grow, the more early they bear, and this more particularly in sunny spots and where the soil is not over-rich. All the forest trees are slower in bringing their fruit to maturity, and indeed in some of them the fruit never becomes fully ripe. Those trees too, about the roots of which the earth is ploughed or broken and loosened, bring their fruit to maturity more speedily than those in which this has been neglected. By this process they are also rendered more fruitful. End of section 5 Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama.